I told Chris, you know, I'm as good with 12 days or 12 hours or 12 minutes. It won't matter to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I was thinking a little bit about it. In fact, I got so excited there, I grabbed the bulletin from last Sunday, and I knew we were trying to be a little creative, giving me enough time to pull my notes together. But I thought David had gone so far off the script that we I didn't see any of those songs in there, and I realized I had last week's bulletin. So I may go off the script a little bit today, but what an opportunity, what a, what a gracious opportunity for me to share today, and, and uh, certainly not in Ron's stead, but in his absence today. And, and thank you, Chris, for the opportunity to do this. And uh, while not fully prepared, like every Jerry, every good coach knows that they're a better coach when they got good players. And so the message today is not so much about me, but about the message. So uh, I trust that you'll hear from the Lord as we share a few moments together. As we have some remembrances, but more important, we see where God's taking us in the days ahead. So I'll trust that uh, you don't be anxious. I won't either. We'll be fine. And uh, so we look forward to sharing the time. Y'all recall the first time I preached. In fact, I preached this sermon once before. This is not a fresh one, just in case you wondered. Um, In fact, I always say when better sermons are uh, written, I'll preach them. And uh, so uh, I don't write many of my own messages. I like a nice framework, and then I'll fill in the holes as, as I believe the Holy Spirit leads me. And, and, uh, but I believe, according to my notes, I preached this sermon the first year I was here. And uh, this is a, a good sermon for us today and a good challenge. And, and, uh, but some of you may remember, right? At, you know, things were tight in the Colbert home. They always are. Preacher money and teacher money, salaries always a little tight, so... Uh, I had had some car trouble right after that, and I took it right down here to the Havlin, Texaco place. They did a little work over on the side there, and so the fellas were looking at my little truck, and he said, I, Mr. Colbert, looks like this is going to have a little work done. I said, well, just remember now, I'm just a poor preacher. And he said, I know, I heard you yesterday. And uh, <laughs> that's not true, but it's always a good story. I really want you to begin to think just a moment or two, and there'll be a few outbursts like that along the way. That helps relax me and you too a little bit, but I want you to think along the way. What, what might you accomplish for God if you knew you couldn't fail? What might you venture? Might you move and start a new church 30-plus years ago? Maybe when you're already a senior adult, some of our charter members were. They started a brand-new work over 30 years ago. Move from churches where they were comfortable, places where they were loving to serve. Maybe moving into a, uh, starting a church in their neighborhood where they had moved or their family had moved. What might you accomplish if you knew you could not fail? And I have to believe some of those charter members and some of those original folks began to realize early that they were about something that was much, much bigger than them. They were about building uh, a beautiful bride for Christ. And uh, so it could not fail. Now, have there been some ugly days in the bride of Christ? Absolutely. But there have been some beautiful, beautiful days. And there is no chance of failure because we are Christ's bride. And so uh, what might you challenge? What challenge might you face? Would you bring blankets to a homeless person or meals? Uh, Would you organize a prayer group in your neighborhood? Uh, Would you teach a Sunday school class? How about this one? Would you teach a fifth-grade boy Sunday school class? Could you? Absolutely. You could not fail. Our God is a great God and a big God and does fantastic things. Uh, Would you move to a frontier state to start a new work, to help start a new church? Or right in your neighborhood where you moved 30-some-odd years ago, would you start a work there? Would you invest there? Would you bring your teenagers and 
be a part of a youth ministry that was three or four or five or ten strong as opposed to a group of 40 or 50 where you left. Some did. Would you today, would you consider that? So today's message is entitled, What's That in Your Hand? We're going to look at three episodes, three stories in Scripture, familiar stories to you, where God's asked someone, what's that in your hand? How might you be used? How might, uh, what might God do with what you have? So really, that's our question today. What's in your hands? How might God use you? And uh, so I ask that you think about your own life and your own your own situation. And uh, I'm always reminded, taking off the watch, uh, little boys in the church for the first time, and uh, parents. He's asking his parents about it. And as the uh, right before the service, the prelude starts, the organist starts playing, and Mama, Mama, what's that? And uh, she, she said, well, that's the organist. That means the service is just about to begin. So we're preparing our hearts for the message that God has for us. Oh, okay, okay. A few minutes later, in the side doors open, the choir begins to file in. Mama, Mama, what, what does that mean? Oh, that means, that means the service has almost begun. The choir has come upstairs and about to begin the service. So it's almost begun. And then the preacher walked out and took off, took off his watch and put it down and said, Mama, Mama, what's that mean? And the dad leaned over and said, absolutely nothing. And uh, <laughs> so we, it does mean something, but it's a good reminder of where we are. God has a great story for us today, a great plan. I love a little scripture found over in 1 Corinthians verse 27. If you want to turn there, you can. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures there. But we're going to jump around a little bit in the scripture. But this is kind of the basis of, of where we're headed today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 and following says this, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world to despise things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. God uses amazing things, but more More than that, God uses ordinary things. He uses ordinary people, ordinary circumstances. And because he's an extraordinary God, we get extraordinary results, phenomenal results, results that are inexplicable because they're not of this world, they're from another world. So today in your life, I ask you to examine how might God do something unbelievable inexplicable in your life or through your life for his glory. Looking at three stories today, and and the first one is the story of Moses. You know the story well, you know, of his birth and and, uh, being hidden in the bulrushes and and his time in the court of Pharaoh and and, uh, his expulsion from Egypt and the burning bush experience when God began to speak to him and said, basically saying, Moses, I want to set you aside for service. I've got a message that I want you to bring to your people. And Moses, probably not, not unlike any of us and all of us, began to make excuses of why there might be someone else that could do this better. He explained that he wasn't clearly understood and maybe, his, maybe a brother might be better. And he, he explained a variety of reasons why he wasn't the ideal person. And God chose a, really a supernatural experience to remind Moses that he was the God of all. So Moses, a little shepherd boy of, of ancient times, and had a shepherd's rod, and, and he tells Moses to pick up that rod. And he said, what is that? And Moses knew what it was. He had been a shepherd boy. And he said, it's a shepherd's rod. I'm familiar with it. And uh, 
Uh, he said, are you certain it's a rod, Moses? Are you certain? And Moses most certainly said, yes, it is. I know what it is. It's used to protect the flock. It's used to, uh, to tend to the flock. It's used to protect the shepherd uh, from unwanted uh, aggressors. And, and so it's a useful tool, a useful tool in the, in the, hand, in the shepherd's hand. And uh, he said, throw it down, Moses. And Moses threw it down. And the other story, it turned to a snake. Turned to a snake right there before him. Now, I'll have to admit, that just hasn't happened to me. I've seen a few snakes. I never, ever, ever have I picked one up. Never have I picked one up. God told Moses to pick that up. It makes me think of that. I think the story, the, the show was different strokes. I don't know. But that one fellow would always say to the other fellow, what you talking about, Willis? I, you know, that's basically what I would ask God. What you talking about, God? You want me to pick up that snake? And he said, yes, pick it up, Moses. So Moses picked it up and it immediately turned back to a shepherd's rod again. God was reminding Moses that, you know, you, your hands are not just your hands. The, the molecular structure of that wood, now flesh, then wood again, is in my control. So that might remind you today that things that don't seem ordinary or can be extraordinary, that things that don't seem extraordinary to you can be extraordinary in God's hands. He doesn't, he, he doesn't need extraordinary things. He just needs ordinary people to be willing to do extraordinary things. So Moses did exactly that. And, uh, you know, Moses had a great, great life of serving God and, and uh, you know, escaped from the Israelites. Brought, I mean, brought the Israelites out of Egypt and across the Red Sea. And, and uh, you know, you really can't tell that story about without being reminded of the boy in Sunday school who... Uh, his mom said, well, what did y'all learn in Sunday school today? He said, well, mom, it's an amazing story. It's about the Israelites escaping from Egypt. He said, uh, you know, they all had M16s, and they had a full battalion of, of uh, men and women and, and tanks, and then they, they rolled out a, a, a floated uh, a bridge out there with the giant pontoons, and they all rushed across that, and then the, the water swept away the bridge. And mom said, son... That is not the story of Moses and the Israelites escaping from Egypt. He said, Mom, if I told you what really happened, you would never believe it. (laughs) Listen, believe it. Believe it. When God does something, it doesn't have to be explained by human understanding or reason. It doesn't have to be uh, make sense to us because God does extraordinary things. So the first example today is Moses. When God said, what's that in your hand? And he used a shepherd's rod to teach a valuable lesson. The second one is the story of, of David and the little boy David, the, the shepherd boy David who God used to combat the mighty giant of Gath, Goliath. And, and uh, you know, I, I, have, I love to preach about and teach about uh, characters, Bible characters. And I've taught about David many, many times with young people and and uh, I see Lisa here. I see some other young people. Bless their hearts. They had me in and out of their student ministry so many years. They knew every story I knew. And they'd just get down to where they'd say, oh, you're going to tell the lobster story? Well, of course. And so they could tell the story without me. And sometimes stories like this, it, it reminds me a little bit of the guys in, in prison and, and uh, in solitary confinement. They couldn't gather up to tell their stories. And so they just had only a certain number of jokes to tell. Only certain numbers. So what they did to kind of expedite things, they numbered their jokes. So up and down the cell block, you'd hear someone say, 14! And <laughs> they'd laugh up and down that cell block. Everybody thinking about that joke. And a few minutes later, somebody else say, 19. <laughs> cool, that's a 
go on that 19? And so they'd think through it. We had a new fellow there on, on death row, and he was kind of lost in the whole thing. And, and uh, so after a few minutes of everybody calling out numbers, he calls out, number four. There's no response. No response. Number four. No response whatsoever. Number four. And you can hear up and down the cell block, they're whispering, talking to each other around the cell corners. And one of them said, some people just don't know how to tell a joke. And <laughs> See, that's free. That's not even in the sermon. That's not even in there. I love David. I recall t- uh, preaching about Goliath and David here one Sunday. And I think it was, I think it was Rob uh, Matthews. He said, James, I could not get past the message. I wanted you to get a feel for how tall Goliath was. So I took one of these chairs and pulled it over and I stood in it and then held a, held a yardstick up above my head to try to get a feel for how tall Goliath was. And I, you know, I kind of heard people, ooh, ooh, you know, kind of ooh and I said, I'm really getting through to them. They're, they're getting a feel for the, the giantness of Goliath. Well, after the service, Rob said, I could not get past the fact that the bottom of that chair was bowing out so much (laughs) that you were about to go straight through. (laughs) I've never stood in a chair again to talk about Goliath, but uh, today I want you to think about David. Little David, the shepherd boy, you know the story. He was called to the front lines. Really, he was called to bring some food to his brothers, and they had, had been challenged by Goliath and the Philistines. And this Goliath was a man killer. He was unbelievable, and, and uh, so instead of losing large numbers of men in these battles, sometimes they'd go one-on-one. Whoever wins, wins the battle. The others disappear. So Goliath was the man for the Philistines, and he comes out and says, send me your best man. Well, nobody in the, in the ranks and file came forward, not a person, not a person. Little David was there bringing the food, supposed to bring a message back to his dad about his brothers, and, and uh, David, naively maybe, but probably, probably not, said, oh, I'll go. I'll battle him. Well, you know, immediately so said, no, you're just a little boy. You can't do that. And he said, yeah, sure I can. My, my God's a mighty God. And uh, my God's a mighty God. This is found in Samuel, second Samuel, or first Samuel, I believe. My God's a mighty God. He can, he can defeat the giant. And uh, so, no, David, don't. So finally they decided, well, if you're going to go, then at least put on Saul's armor. Well, David's just a little boy, and they put on the armor. Remember, they, they talk about that armor. It was so heavy and so big that he could not move. And so a couple of things were happening there. Firstly, they were trying to tell David, you're not, who, you're not big enough for this. You're too small, too young for this job. You think anybody might ever tell you that? Not the part that you're too young. That'd be nice. <laughs> but someone says, you're not prepared for this job. You're not up to this. Don't hear that. On God's side, you're up for any job. You're up for it. Don't let people make you less than you are. You're a redeemed believer of the Almighty God. You can do whatever it is He set aside for you to do. The second thing they kept telling David is, well, maybe you need to put on armor. You need to protect yourself. They were, they were trying to make him more than he is. Don't do that either. Just be who you are. Allow God to use your gifts, your abilities, your disposition, your circumstances. You don't have to pretend to be anything other than who you are and what you are. What gifts you have are the ones you offer, and God will use those. So our challenge today is, like David, would you be willing to step forward and do something that God had set aside for you? A great plan that God has for you. So I ask you, will you? You know the story. David said, they asked David, what's that in your hand? He said, a slingshot and stones. 
you know, and flip-flap, zip-zap, hit it between the eyes. Goliath is down. The rest of the story gets pretty gory. David finishes it off by cutting off his head and a whole bunch of other really scary sort of things. But it reminded us that our God is a mighty God and a small tool in a willing boy's hand can be used for mighty things. Think about those first folks who came here, those first, those first years of trying to get things organized and running and getting everything working and going right. Think about the full 30 years, the times when offerings might have been a little tight, the times when there weren't quite enough Sunday school teachers, there weren't quite enough to fill the choir loft, perhaps in between times when they didn't have someone to lead a choir or an organization or the WMU or a fifth-grade boys' Sunday school class. God provided all along when someone said, this is what I have, God, you use me, you use this. And God used it. Used it perfectly in his plan. And we may set aside another plan. We may think it may work another way. God's plan is the best plan. So I encourage you today to think about how God may use you with some simple things. That's the second one we look at. And the third one, another familiar story. The little boy had a lunch. It had been a long day of preaching. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, Someone, these people are tired. They're hungry. We've, we really need to feed them. They cannot take in any more. Sometimes how you feel about 5 to 12, you know, about 5 to 12, when Chris is just then wrapping up. He's like, I've got to get out of here. We don't usually go that long, Chris. It's, I had the pulpit. I thought I'd get a chance to, you know, get a shot in. Uh, the disciples said, Jesus, we cannot go further. And, and Jesus said, well, is there, is there anybody out there that's got something to eat? And I think Andrew comes to him and says, well, there's a little, little boy that's got some fishes and loaves. Just a few. And Jesus said, take it, divide it amongst you, and take it out to the people. So we know the story. The 5,000 plus were fed, and there were, I think, 12, is it 12 baskets left over? Left over, plenty, more than enough. God takes out a little and makes it a lot. Takes out a little and makes it a lot. So I ask you today, with the little boy and the fish, fishes and loaves in mind, what little might you offer him? What, what are some of the things that you have in your hands available to him? Three thoughts on these three people. Firstly, Moses was obedient. He did exactly what God said. David was a man of faith. He knew his God was bigger than any Goliath in any situation. And then the little boy, all he knew was to give. So I ask you, I challenge you, I encourage you, could you be obedient? Could you be a man or a woman, a boy, a child of faith? And could you be one that would give, that would offer back to God everything you have and everything that you are? So today as we celebrate just a few moments of looking backwards of 30 years, giving thanks for how God has blessed us and used us, and moved us, empowered us with his spirit, we think about those who have been obedient. We think about those who, who have been people of faith. And we think about those who have given sacrificial. And so going forward, my prayer, my hope, my desire would be we do exactly that. Nothing more, nothing less. Could we move forward with exactly those three challenges? To be obedient people, to be faithful people, and to be giving people. So I encourage you to do so. May the next 30 years be our brightest 30 years. May they be the ones that we look back in 30 years from now and say, Oh, what are 30 years? Remember this? Remember how this happened? Remember this? See how God did that? It's always good to glance back, but to keep your gaze on God and keep your gait moving forward. And that's what we're going to do. 
We won't spend a whole lot of time looking backwards, but we should remember what God has done. But we'll spend a lot of time moving forward with our gaze on God. So I encourage you to do that today. Five quick thoughts here as we conclude. Firstly, you've been created for a ministry. The scripture tells us that in 2 Ephesians. says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were created for ministry. Number two, you've been saved for ministry. That means you've been set aside to do ministry. In 2 Timothy 1.9 says, It is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work. So you've been created, you've been saved. The third thing, you've been called. In Ephesians 4, it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Ephesians 4.1, you've been called. You've been created, saved, and called. Number four, you've been gifted. In 1 Peter 4, it says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many blessings. God builds a body out of a multitude of parts. So you've been gifted to use your your gifts, you've been blessed to use your gifts in this body. So I encourage you to do so. Created, saved, called, gifted, and number five, authorized. In 2 Corinthians 5, it reminds us, it says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Uh, excuse me, that's in Matthew 28. Then in 2 Corinthians it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So we go forward with our marching orders. We move forward as ambassadors for the king. And so I ask you today, what's that in your hand? Might you offer it back to God? Today you may have come not expecting exactly where God may take you. And it might be, uh, uh, there might be some challenges for you today as you, as you face the next few days and weeks and months. But I know God goes with you. So ask that during this time of response that you respond appropriately, that you hear what God has said to you today, and that you respond appropriately. It might be right there in the pew where you are. It might be uh, coming forward. Our pastor will be forward here in a few moments to, to uh, meet with you and pray with you and, and hear from you. It might be that you come today without a Savior, and none of this is possible without the, the life of Christ in us because all these things come from Christ. And so today you may have discovered a Savior for the first time. Or perhaps you've discovered Christ and today's the day you're going to make a public profession of that. You say, I'm going to be an ambassador for Christ. Christ is in my heart and I want to march forward with him and uh, use, allow, allow him to use me. So today your response may be any of those. So I, I pray that uh, at the proper, proper time in a few moments you come forward as our pastor stands down front. Let's pray together. Father, today we commit, uh, as we often say during the offertory, our our ushers and our deacons say that we commit uh, everything that we have and everything we are to you to be useful in your kingdom. So it's, it is an offering today of gifts and abilities, of personalities. It's an offering of our presence. It's an offering of our position. We lay our position aside to put you in the forefront. So, Father, we uh, today lay those things aside. And as you ask us what's in our hand, our response is whatever tool necessary to do the work you've called me to, Lord. So thank you for the opportunity to do that. Thank you for the glorious opportunity to be ordinary people used by an extraordinary God. So today we offer to you those things, and we pray that they might be made manifest in this time of response. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you'll stand.